as part of the Jeremiah Show. It's the Arwen Lewis Show. Arwen Lewis is a singer, a songwriter, and a guitarist. She inhabits our blue planet, but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm. As the daughter of Peter Lewis, a founding member of rock and roll cult icons Moby Grape, and the granddaughter of Oscar-winning actress Loretta Young, she's been part of the creative cosmos all of her life. She's a slice of sonic heaven, poised to enter your heart, mind, and soul. She's an artist, producer, and writer, and she's your radio host. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. I'm here under the Jeremiah Show platform, and my show features up-and-coming and established musical artists. Today, I have a very established artist named Sean Jones in the studio. He's an international touring musician of roots, Americana, blues, and rock, has over 30 years of experience and based in Southern California. He tours with his band of A-levels touring and studio musicians, as well as having a very dynamic solo show. He performs over 200 dates a year in the USA, the UK, and Europe. He's released six studio albums, including his up-and-coming release, uh, In My Blood. Uh, That's going to be released this fall. And we're going to be featuring in its entirety his first single from In My Blood. And that is um, called Too Hot to Hold. And that's coming up at the end of our show, so don't go anywhere. We also get to hear Sean play live, so we're in for a big treat this morning. Sean, welcome to my radio show. Hey, hey, Arwen, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, It's good to be had. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) Well, we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Yeah, I was reading over your bio, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a treasure chest of information. Uh So I thought we could start, though, by just talking about um, why you started music, what inspired you, and what was your first instrument? So my father um, played guitar and sang when I was a little boy, and he'd be sitting on the couch in the living room of my mom's house. And uh, I just fell in love with it. You know, it was like he was singing all these songs from, say, I remember back three, four years old when when he was playing. And I know you have a similar experience with your father and your dad's a, a great musician, and famous musician. My old man was not so much a famous guy, but my God, he had an amazing voice and a very commanding personality and just magnetic and uh and uh, he gave me my first guitar when he bought himself his first Martin. Well, right. his only Martin. Yeah. <laughs> but he gave me his uh, Lyle, and that was in like 1973. Okay. And I was a little boy, Christmas of 73, so it's coming up now on a little bit of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, he had a bar when I was a kid, and he was his own bouncer and his own entertainment and his own, you know, bartender. And, and uh, it was just an interesting place to be growing up, and he gave me all the 45s out of his jukebox. So I got all this music coming at me from yeah. all different directions, you know. So that's what got me into it. I mean, what a way to be inspired, too. Just that really sounds like, you know, the, the root of it was all like the magic of the music. And you can really hear that in your music, too. Um, everything is so authentic that I've heard from your recordings, and I've Thank seen you. you live quite a few times. Thank you. Um, and so when did you start writing songs? 
You know, probably at 12, I think, was my first uh, composition. I, I was in a thing called the Honor Choir in school. Okay. So I was in choir from like uh, nine until uh, a year of college. Okay. And so um, I was in the Honor Choir, and it was the best singers in all the schools in the, the region. I grew up in San Bernardino, so San Bernardino County, all the best singers in all the sh- all the, the choirs in, in uh, San Bernardino County, and they met... Uh, once a week and then we did a big concert at the end of the year okay and um so i I, they asked me to do solos okay and so i thought why not do a song that i wrote because i'd started playing acoustic and then carried it on you know and just i I wanted to sing and accompany my voice with a guitar and that's kind of how i started playing and singing and i thought i need to write my own music so that's what i did do you remember what your first song was it's Uh, the one it's a song called walk on Cool. But I'm not going to play it for you. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to happen today. That's all right. It sounds very fitting for your um, catalog of other titles that I've heard. Definitely formidable. (laughs) Yeah, I just believe it at that. (laughs) Well, you know, and I'm sure, obviously, your songwriting process has evolved. Um, What's your process of writing like now, you know, as an accomplished musician? Has it evolved over the years? You know, I'd like to say that there's an actual process, but there kind of isn't. I'm just open to the muse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's different ways that I go into it. It's like if you had a, a pot of gold at the end of a tunnel, but you had several entrances to it. You, and you know, in this day, you happen to be in front of this interest, ent- ent- entrance. And, you know, it's a maze from any entrance. Right. But this particular day, I'm coming in from a musical place right trying to get to that pot of gold or a rat looking for the cheese however yeah. you want to look at it right <laughs> or another time it might be uh, a lyrical idea mm-hmm. or i'll have a completely blank slate and go have a co-writing session with somebody that i that i that i like to write with um and then that way you know somebody will pop out with an idea and then you just kind of let it all uh, let let the uh, the muse enter the room and and you just follow it and hopefully you find your cheese at the end of the tunnel. You know? Well, <laughs> so I mean, your pot of gold. <laughs> how many songs have you written? Do you know? Like, I mean, no, it's got to be. I don't really know, um, but I would say, I mean, that I know of. There's at least uh, two hundred and fifty, yeah. three hundred, something like that. I've been writing a long time. Right. But, um, you know, I'll go through old journals. Like, I have this actual toy box that was my toy chest when I was a little boy. I'm very sentimental. So, both my parents left when I was young, the earth. And so, I ended up with a lot of antiques and things like that. And so, I still have my little desk when I was four. And I have my toy box when I was a little boy. And that's where all my lyrics are in this toy box. And it's in my living room. And I just, from time to time, I'll just open that box and go digging. And I know, you know, through the years, which one correlates to to what year it was. And I'll just grab it and start reading through it and go, oh, wow, there's a line or a sentence. or Uh Or I'll just come up with something new, you know. And with phones, it's made it kind of, it's good and bad, but it took me a very long time to actually um, create on a phone a lyric you know, it was always a piece of paper and a pencil and my guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just the way I did it. Yeah. But when you're busy, you do what you got to do now. Yeah. <laughs> right? So. Well, yeah, I mean, there's totally, I mean, there's, it's almost like 
like or yoga it's like it's like a practice you know like in mm-hmm. yoga you go and you um you know you do the asanas or you meditate and then like you you know at the end of the class you're enlightened but it's like the actual action of like doing it and same with like having a piece of paper and a pen and sitting there with your guitar like i feel like it just gives it it makes it easier to have that muse when you have like those tools in front of you because there's a romanticism behind behind that style but and i feel Mm -hmm. like if like i'm writing on a lyric down on a phone like i'll write on the phone but then i take it back to my pen and paper like right afterwards and then bring it to life that way but everybody you know works differently it helps commit it to memory too when you write it down i think if you've got ideas floating around you have them on a phone it's quite handy I mean, it's that's why they, in Europe they called them handies. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> they, they, they're not phones; they're handies. Get your handy. Um, but you know, to be able to record and write and do everything on the phone, it's amazing what you can do with a phone. And so, uh, you know, to to deny that to be a tool. But then the other part of it is you get stuck into the social media trap and it mm-hmm. sucks you in. Next thing you know, you're not writing a song anymore. Yeah. You check how many people liked your post. Yeah, and then you're copying, pasting, you know, their post into your song lyrics oh and then things get really God. messy. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Tom, speaking about recording, do you do more digital or do you work with analog recording too? I do a mixture. Okay. Um, it's been, well, I started out analog, obviously. Right. Um, my first demos were on two inch. And then I had a development deal with AM Records in the early 90s, and we cut 10 songs on two inch. Nice. Which one of those songs ended up getting in a, in a TV, I mean, a movie, um, a couple of different movies. Oh, and, what ones? Do you uh, one of them, well, that particular song was in a movie called Tumbleweeds with Janet McTeer. Okay. And that one, the. the um, um, what is it? The Golden Globes or whatever the hell at the time it was. Yeah, yeah, it was the Golden Globes, I believe. That one, and she, she actually, if if you're not aware of Janet McTeer, she was on the Ozark. Um, okay. Uh, series. She was like the attorney for the for the mob, and she was like this tough kind of. She pulled up in a black suburban and blonde haired gal and when when we first when I was in I was actually in the movie it was a oh. cameo so I had my band in the movie in the bar scene fun and and some trucker dude was picking up on her in the, in the yeah. <laughs> and she was in there just fresh out of a divorce and um, um, going across country with her daughter okay uh, moving to San Diego, I believe it was. And the movie was good. It was a good movie. It was in the in like 97, 98. And I was living in Santa Monica at the time and writing for Chrysalis Music at the time. Okay. And so um, actually the A&M track got on the movie that was almost 10 years later. I was writing for Chrysalis at the time, but that song was from my A&M sessions back in the day, which okay. was... That was when DAT first came out. Oh, cool. That's that really dates me, man. Digital audio tape. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, <laughs> you know, it sounds like you 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 started like <clears throat> still, you know, when all of that style of recording and you know th- when things like that would happen, then you'd get yeah. your song in a movie and then you get to act in it and or act and perform in it with your band. Like that's like what people like dream about now. You know, like you actually got to experience a cameo. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and in the beginning too, when everything started out analog you know like you were there in the transition and do you yeah. feel like your music has evolved and changed with the um you know the evolution in technology hmm. for music too i think that i've evolved regardless of the medium of recording i think 
I would like to say anyway that I have. I would say that the medium of recording and the medium of technology has um, allowed me to to um, re to 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 uh, record and to to use it as as a tool right. for what it is that I was chasing down, no matter what it was. I'm not a trend follower. Um, I really not. I you know it seems like my favorite stuff is just real stuff, whether yeah. it's new or old or whatever. And um, I guess maybe that's to my folly not having a, a specific. Oh, we were talking about recording and so forth. Like I, I'm, I did a record right before COVID that was all recorded in front of a live audience. There were 150 people in the room, sitting in a circle in this beautiful studio, and it was all recorded on two-inch tape. That then went and was uh, mastered down to quarter inch, but then it was put out digitally as well as analog. Okay. So the signal path was analog until it became digital because it's got to get out to the digital world. Right. Well, yeah, and it can go, it goes vice versa too. Like you can record um, digital and then transfer that onto vinyl as well. So it's all, yeah. you know, it's just, I think it's a matter of convenience too, you know, and at least you're able to savor the analog quality to some extent when you get it out there to the digital right. world and I mean if there are those analog geeks out there which we know there are like myself yeah. um, you can just go buy the vinyl and listen to it that way that's true um, well and then so we've been talking about recording and mm -hmm. I also wanted to bring up um, just the process for your most recent uh, release that's coming mm -hmm. out in my blood uh, we're going to play your song um, what which one is that? We're too hot do. to hold. Too hot to hold today yeah, in its first entirety. Single. Yeah. Uh, so how was that particular song recorded? Well, okay, the whole album. It's really interesting because I've been in Ventura now for 15 years, and um, through a mutual friend, I met um, I met a, a guy by the name of Nico Bolas. Okay. So Mark Hartley, who's the Fitzgerald Hartley Management Company, he's a friend of mine. And Mark and, at the time, Tim Aller was working with him, who was the go-to guy for Robert Cray. Okay. Put me on the road with Robert Cray. So I made friends with them, and then I had a, uh, a lunch with um, Tim Aller and Nico Bolas. And Nico is, is based in the Ventura area. And, you know, he's... Very, very famous mixing engineer, cool. Steve Jordan's favorite guy, and um, and he also produces a lot of great projects. Melissa Etheridge, a whole bunch of different people. Um, we had lunch, and um, we decided to make a record together. Cool. And the studio we were going to use was up in Ojai, and the owner of the studio's father wasn't doing well, and he had to go back to New York. So Nico was like, "Well, where do you guys rehearse?" And I said, "Well." I've got a big living room in my house. He goes, let's have a look at it. So he comes over to my house, mm -hmm. and it's, it's this big open living room with a Persian rug and a drum set in the bay window and cool. <laughs> you know, Pro Tools over on a desk in the corner. And he goes, let's just do it right here, old awesome. school style. Yeah. So it's big enough room to where we just gathered in a circle, fill up part of the piano on keys. I have a 120-year-old grand in my living room. Oh, wow. Okay. And then he put wow. he put his, like, he had an XB2 Hammond uh, rig next to the piano, and he had his piano station. Then I'm on my couch, and we put, which was really interesting, little uh, recording secret, 
instead of having the the barrier in front of the microphone right. to where it's cutting out the sound mm -hmm. in front of me, he goes, let me show you something. And he puts up a barrier behind me. Huh. He says, that, what way is the microphone pointing? I go, at me. He goes, so then why do you want to block the sound that's in front of you? Mm. He says, do you want to block whatever sound reflection you're getting from behind you? Okay. He says, you'll get some bleed a bit from the front, but anyway, so... To answer your question, we cut yeah. it in my living room. Nice. Cool. And we were just all sitting in a circle. And it was just, it went down so harmoniously. I mean, because we could all look at each other. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't like we were, you know, off in corners and, you know, staring at a, a you know, a, a mic sta or music stand with, we just look at each other. And did you track it live? Like, everybody played it once, and then you tracked it that way? Or yeah, did the key you was just don't that? make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> this is so real blues. <laughs> so if there's a little bit of a bleed going on, well, you know, Muscle Shoals, whatever. Some yeah. of these great old recordings back in the day um, were done that way. And um, we just sat in a circle and made a record. And then uh, we had the Memphis Horns playing five songs, so which will be on the next releases that come out. Um and we, thank God for technology, we're able to send the sessions to them mm. in a two mix. And they're old school. There's four guys standing around one microphone. And they get their balance right there as they lay it down. That's and so they, they did five songs and sent us back the tracks. And then my, my uh, sister friend, it's like a, a family to me, Josie Aiello, who does vocal beds for, let's say, Rihanna, Beyonce, um, J-Lo, uh, she was signed by Quincy Jones 25 years ago. Wow. She's an amazing singer, and she sings on a lot of commercials and a lot of records. And she, I went over to her house, and I actually had to learn how to run Logic, because I'm a Pro Tools guy. Yeah. So I, I learned how to run Logic, and I, she has a little boy, so she wasn't able to just come over to my house. Right. And so I went over to her place, and uh, we grabbed all the harmony vocals, and um, she killed it. It was just fantastic. So, and 80% of the live vocal is what we kept. Oh, wow. Okay. So I just punched in a couple of things that needed it and then uh, sang again one of the songs, I believe. So there's your answer. Sorry, I'm so long-winded. No, well, I, I love these long answers because it tells a story and we're on talk radio, but people want to hear a story, yeah. you know? Mm. And that's, um, I mean, that's probably the most, one of the most ideal experiences to have as a musician when you're recording an album, leading to yeah. say that you record it in your living room, everybody yeah. did it at once uh, with all these amazing parts. And then you, because we can thank technology for this, you were able to get the yeah. Memphis horns and then your sister friend singer to get on. Yeah, Josie's amazing. Mm. I mean, so I think things are seem to be coming together quite nicely for you. They really are. I'm, you know, I'm very proud of this record. It's it's a record I always wanted to make because it's kind of a mixture between the singer songwriter person that I am, and then I'm a huge fan of like a traditional soul music, like mm -hmm. soul Al Green and Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and all the stack stuff and like, oh man, come on. Yeah. Well, you could totally hear that in your recordings. Uh, uh, we're gonna um, so we're gonna take everybody out to break really quickly. Uh, if you're just tuning in, my very special guest today is Sean Jones, and we're gonna take you out to break with his song "All in Good Time," and that's from uh, his record "All in Good Time." Mm -hmm. We'll bring you back in with his song "Coupe de Ville," 
and yeah. Coupe de Ville is from uh, Pain Passed Down. Yeah. And then Sean's going to play a live uh, song on the radio for you when we come back from break, too. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> right? Is that okay, Sean? Of course it is. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Um, well, before we go out, what song are they going to hear when we come back? You mean that I'm going to play? Yeah. A song called Roll Away. Roll Away. A song I did, yeah, called Roll Away. Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Yeah. See you in a second. Do you remember all the time we talked for hours on the telephone line about anything and everything? Or the day we spent the afternoon making love in a hotel room up the coast? Oh, we felt so close I'm sorry I was blind And lost inside my mind And if by fate someday I start to shine It'll be all in good time yeah. All in good time Hi, this is Sean Jones. How you doing out there? Got a new album coming out. It's called In My Blood. There'll be four singles released between now and the early part of 2024. Really excited about being on the Arwen Lewis show today. And please check out my website at www.seanjonesmusic.com. That's S-H-A-W-N jonesmusic.com. All right. See you out there. Without a warning You get it back Kiss of the blues Let it roll You gotta let it all roll away Let it roll The next thing you know It's all gonna roll your way Gotta pick yourself up 
Every time I take a fall Let it roll, roll, roll You gotta let it all roll away Let it roll, roll, roll The next thing you know It's all gonna roll your way Well, tomorrow won't bring you answer for today don't trip on what's behind you I once heard a wise man say it's like being all alone in a crowded room well there's a whole different world going on inside of you let it roll You gotta let it all roll away Let it roll The next thing you know It's all gonna roll your way Let it roll You gotta let it all roll away Let it roll The next thing you know It's all gonna roll your way Gotta let it roll It's all gonna roll your way Let it roll, let it roll, let it roll away Let it roll, let it roll, let it roll away yeah. Good morning everybody, <laughs> you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show And today, my very special guest is an accomplished and established musician. His name is Sean Jones. You can find out more about him at seanjonesmusic.com. That's S-H-A-W-N, jonesmusic.com. <laughs> yes, not the other way. And then Facebook, official Sean Jones, and Instagram, Sean Jones Music. And uh, so really quickly, if you're just tuning in, Sean is an international touring roots, American blues, uh, rock musician of over 30 years based in Southern California. And we're here talking about his extensive career as a recording artist. And we're featuring in its entirety his song Too Hot to Hold at the end of the program today. And that's off of his upcoming release In My Blood, which will be released this fall. Mm -hmm. And you just heard Sean uh, perform a beautiful acoustic live performance of his song Roll Away and so I thought we could start talking about some of your touring experience Sean mm. um, you've had some amazing experience like opening up for the Grammy winning legend Robert Cray mm. on a 16 date theater tour of the UK and California mm -hmm. um, and why don't we just start talking about that what was that experience like and what were the theaters like that you played in I mean wow I had done a bunch of tours in the UK prior to that. So I've done, I don't know, 13 tours in the UK. Okay. Uh, it was nothing like any of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, uh, it was amazing because, yeah. I mean, some of the theaters like in Cheltenham, Led Zeppelin played there, Rolling Stones played there. Uh, the Barbican in London, oh uh, 2,000 people, a whole of 3,000, whatever it was. Yeah. And... It was a very naked tour. Uh, I kind of wish I had taken my acoustic because I really love my acoustic guitars. They're made in Ireland. Loudon makes them. They're they're wonderful guitars. I, I love my Loudon people. But I took a Gretsch. Okay. And a and a and a super reverb amplifier. And so it was an electric. 
but it was cool i mean it was cool it was great but there was no band it was just me and a, and a guitar and a, in front of two thousand people every night sometimes more sometimes a little less but you know i was riding around with craze um his his uh techs and his, all of his you know the the band mm-hmm. with the band and cray were in one van and i was with the, the roadies and the yeah. techs and the <laughs> other van and it, you know it was uh it was kind of like do it yourself man and it was um it was the last it was kind of one of those things where it wasn't a buy-on but it was one of those deals where you know, because some artists have to buy on to tours. Right, yeah. That's not what this was. They paid me a, a nominal amount to get my hotel room sorted, and, and and they got me around from gig to gig. But I was hustling CDs. Yeah. Oh, my God. I sold $11,000 with the CDs in two weeks. That's crazy. <laughs> Good high five. <laughs> you like that one, huh? <laughs> Can I take you on my tours? Let's plan? do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other can of worms we yeah. can talk about too. That whole CD thing. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, I, that's. I actually wanted to chat um, about your preference of. I was going to ask you electric guitar and mm. amp. So you like a Fender Super Reverb and a Gretsch guitar? Is that like your dream combination? No. Or? No. No. I mean, I it. The thing that I discovered about a hollow body guitars, mm. which is something I'm kind of a left-handed guitar collector, like okay. it's, uh, for a lack of better terms, guitar porn is one of my favorite things because <laughs> I'm a lefty and they're hard to find like vintage stuff and just cool left-handed instruments. Yeah. So I'm always like, you know, any open time, if I'm not feeling creative, I'll just start looking on eBay, Craigslist, Reverb, all of them, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm so I've... Got quite a arsenal of guitars, but the thing I found out about hollow body guitars is they have a an interesting. Um, uh, if you're going to play electric and it marries with your voice nicely, electric hollow bodies have a, a resonance to them mm-hmm. that um, and a personality, the overtones. Yeah, and it's really interesting. So I, I like playing. I found out that I like playing uh, hollow body electrics quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a Strat guy and then Tellys mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever. Yeah. But I started on acoustic guitar. So acoustic guitar is kind of my main instrument because about 70% of my shows are acoustic. And I mean, it's there's such a difference. Like some people are like, oh, well, it's easier to play electric guitar because it's much more sensitive. And it's like, no, it's not easier it's to play electric beast. guitar. You have, to, you have to be just as precise as you are with acoustic guitar, but exactly, it's a different, like, I mean, it's you need different, different pressure on the strings and everything. Yeah. Um, but I, and I also wanted to ask you for... Like when you play electric, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm assuming you play a lot of the same songs, both electric and acoustic. Yeah, okay. I have a in, in slightly different approach, but you know, yeah, similar. And mm-hmm. like, are the chord shapes the same? And then all Pretty of that? Much. Okay. Pretty much the chord shapes, but the way I approach it rhythmically mm-hmm. will be a little more, uh, when I'm doing a solo acoustic show, uh, my strumming pattern, and um, I'm not one of these real heavy like i don't start slapping on the guitar and doing all these like you know i do use a loop from time to time i just started using one a few years ago but i record myself on the fly and then after every song i erase it okay just to give myself something to solo over the top of right not to like i'm i'm no ed sheeran with it yeah he's very good at it you know and I, i just want it as a tool to help me to just support what i'm trying to do but if i don't have that it's a very rhythmic thing, you know, it's like a... Mm-hmm. 
like if I'm playing with a drummer, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna probably get rid of a lot of this stuff, right? Because that kind of works as my bass drum and my snare. Mm -hmm. so, you know, that that's kind of the snare bass drum thing, uh, where I have to leave a lot of that out if I'm. You know, otherwise you have all this conflicting percussive stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And I've had drummers bring that to my attention a few times. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, too. Yeah. And then, but it's the frequency, too, you know, yeah. besides like the percussive thing. I mean, and sometimes, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's like a debatable argument because some people will say, well, then the acoustic guitar can play along with those parts with the drummer and it'll make it sound more full. But it depends on the sound you're going for and the drummer. And that artist and all if you're that. not duplicating space or if you are if you're so on it with the people you're playing with that it blends in really tightly i think that's great but if you're you know you're not the same person so your feel is going to be a little bit different and if you're hitting on the same spots in the song then you know it, it can be a little it can be a little jumbly a little, too much jumbly. popcorn going on you know yeah I know what you're saying. So. um and so oh and so this is the other thing i wanted to say too so there what's really cool when i've seen you play live with your trio is that you it sounds really big right and mm. so like this conversation that we're having having is like setting us up to explain why it sounds big is because everyone's not playing in each other's way you all kind of play harmoniously together and make um, this like really big fun sound. And mm. so when you perform, uh, so if you're playing with a trio as opposed, do you ever play with a five-person band? Does your approach to pl guitar playing change um, depending on how many people are in the band? The too? more people there are, the less that I play. Mm -hmm. And that's just because you have to create sonic space. Right. Okay. You, you know, with uh, with the trio, um, there's more space to take up, but at the same time, you don't want to take up the drummer space or the bass player space. Mm -hmm. If I'm playing in a lower register all the time and the bass player is doing that, if he's down low, I'm going up. Mm -hmm. If I'm going up, he's coming down. And it's that way with the guitar player, too. It's like uh, like tonight, I'm, I do a little thing once in a while on Tuesday nights out in Ventura with these blues guys. Mm -hmm. And it's just fun. It's close to home, and I go and I sit in, and and it's nice to, to play old classic Jimmy Reed and fun blues stuff. But uh, the guitar player and I, Ed Berghoff, he's on the gig most of the time, and we both played for Dina Carter years ago. Right. And... Um, we if he's down low i'm up high you yeah. know it's, it's just staying out of each other's lane right you know but at the same time you're going down the same road mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. so that's yeah i guess that's what it is and do you do you guys like watch each other's hands or do you know the songs like do you kind of have like a telepathic thing going on or i think it's a mixture of all that yeah i think it's a mixture of like if you really know the song um you know you don't have to look as much mm -hmm. but you can also hear it and after a while you become intuitive right yeah <laughs> <intuitive>. <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> Um, well, and so on top of playing with all of these awesome people that you're talking about so far, you've also worked with just some like incredible legends and shared the bills with people like B.B. Mm. King, mm. Robert Cray, like we talked about, Buddy yeah. Guy, yeah. Bonnie Wright, mm -hmm. Waylon Jennings, Willie yeah. Nelson, Leon Russell, Derek yeah. Trucks, yeah. and you were managed by Waylon Jennings. Mm -hmm. um, 
can we talk about that? Sure, That's awesome. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that is so Shooter, if you're listening, man, we got to have a beer or coffee or whiskey or something, man, because I haven't yeah. seen you for years. <laughs> <laughs> and we've, I just got the sign that we got two minutes. So oh, okay. let's um, actually let's pick up on that when we come back. Okay, sure. No problem. That's going to be a really fun story. Yeah, I can't. Absolutely. He also, he, what song? Do you really think Hake done it this way? Yeah, that's a great song. Look it up if you haven't heard it, everybody. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, but anyway, so we're going to take you out to break pretty soon here. My name's Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. My very special guest today is Sean Jones. You can find out more about him at seanjonesmusic.com, S-H-A-W-N, jonesmusic.com. Uh, official Sean Jones on Facebook and on Instagram under Sean Jones Music. We're going to take you out to break with his song, Life is for Living, and that's from his album, Struggles Makes You Stronger. Yeah. And bring you back mm-hmm. in with Heaven's Daughter from your live record called Live at Mosin. Oh, is it the live one that's on there? That's, that's the, either one's fine, but there's a live and there's a studio one. Yeah, you probably sent me the studio, but I was looking up what uh, um, song. I was just looking your songs up, and that came up on the live at Mosin. Oh, cool. Okay. Come Whatever. On. Okay. So you, we're going to hear either one. I'm, I'm not ashamed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I want to talk about that live recording, too. Uh, okay, cool. Um, but anyway, please enjoy Sean's music, and we'll see you in just a second. I went out to see an old friend Laid to rest last Saturday All his life worked his fingers to the bone All he got him was a newly grave I said life, life is for the living Let's do some living You and me Let's make tonight, tonight a new tradition Celebrate the way things ought to be I give it to my now Times will come Though the answers are right before my eyes Some things are better left undone It's all a mystery where I'm from Where I'm going With just enough faith to carry on And judging by the weather I guess I'll never know Till the day I'm dead and gone Take me down to the river's edge Wanna see my reflection in the water Lay me down, rest my weary In the arms of heaven's daughter Good morning, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. My show features upcoming and very accomplished musical artists, and today my artist is Sean Jones. 
He's very accomplished in international touring and recording roots, Americana, blues, and rock musician with over 30 years in the business. And uh, we're here talking about um, his extensive career and something really fun is that he was managed by Waylon Jennings. Um, so, Sean, I thought we could pick up and talk about that because that's cool. <laughs> well, I won't ask you where you want to start because it's a very long story, but I'll make it really concise. So... <laughs> How did it happen? Okay, so my sister's, my sister's ex-husband's cousin cool. was the director of the Elvis comeback special in 1968, and he's a film and television director. And um, he did the 65th anniversary of the Grand Ole Opry, which led to, led to him meeting Waylon Jennings. And I've known Steve Bender is his name, who they just did a big documentary on. He's been on the show, yeah. Steve Bender, yeah. So Steve is like my second father and my mentor. So Steve um, has, I've known Steve since I was 19. Wow. He uh, had my demo with him and told uh, Waylon about me uh, at the 65th anniversary of the Grand Ole Opry. I was in the midst of driving back to California from Nashville in 1993 because I'd had enough and I wasn't going to work on the landscaping crew anymore. I was going to go back to my gigs. Mm -hmm. So by the time I get back to California, there's a, a message on my sister's um, message machine that uh, Waylon Jennings wants me to call him. <laughs> and cool. so, so that's really cool. So I, uh, Steve, I call Steve and Steve and I get together. We go to Ocean Way Studios and, and um, in Hollywood and I meet Waylon and uh, Kenny Arnoff and uh, Don Was and Tony Joe White. Wow. They were all there. Goosebumps. <laughs> and I had dinner with Tony Joe and Waylon, and um, it was an amazing meeting. And then he invited me to the Troubadour show they did for his new album. So I went to that, and afterwards we went back to his hotel room, and he said, play me something. So I sat down with my acoustic guitar in his hotel room, and played for him, and then within a few weeks, I got a call from Waylon's manager saying we're starting a management company, and we want to make you our first artist. Wow! So I was I was under his wing for a little over a year, yeah. and uh, there's a book that Terry Jennings, uh, Shooter's uh, older brother, wrote, and this is in it talks about it. Um, but basically, they did some showcases in Nashville, and we unfortunately we didn't get any traction. But I was in Nashville, and there was an LA publishing company in Nashville. They heard me performing while I was off the road with Waylon because Waylon asked me once Shooter told his dad that he wanted to do it. I mean, it was a very much a primary focus for Waylon to mm -hmm. focus on Shooter. Yeah, and so that dissolved. But he says, "Listen." I want to make it up to you, Haas. He says, how about playing on my record, Right for the Time, which came out in 96. And he says, and I'm, I was just asked by uh, James Hetfield from Metallica to go on the road doing Lollapalooza. So it was the Ramones, and then us, then Soundgarden, then Metallica. I mean, <laughs> so, <laughs> so 95 and 96 were very special years in my life. Uh, which then led to me getting a publishing deal and then film and TV things that picked up and then me moving back to Nashville. 
and then moving back to California. But I, you know, for a couple of years there, I was I was in the Wayland camp and got to hang out with Willie and Leon Russell countless times yeah. at the coach house and do things that are now legal that yeah. weren't then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was just a really amazing time. And uh, I got to meet Johnny Cash and Willie and Waylon and Chris and have dinner with them at the rehearsals at SIR when they were rehearsing for the last Highwaymen run. Yeah. I mean, you were in, that's called synchronicity. It, if was, you can, it was amazing. You know. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, a lot of, it's one of those things where being that I'm an independent musician and I, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't born into the system so much. Um, it was one of those things that I'll, I'll be able to talk about it for the rest of my life, but it really cemented my foundation and your spirit of where you write from probably yeah. i mean I th yeah. when you spend time with people like that you yeah. know in the business yeah. that you're in i mean that just becomes part of who you are as an artist i feel like and i think it's i just think in a way yeah it's a blessing and a curse but really more of a blessing to be an independent musician having had all this exposure and connections to these mm. profound artists because now you have such a wide you know like an extensive language of music and genre to choose from when you write and you don't have yeah. anybody controlling you know like what if you know i mean i wouldn't want to be at the top of the totem pole but like being a, like just somebody's puppet you know you want to express yourself as an artist and yeah you know and i think that's kind of invaluable and it's it's also kind of more outlaw too right well i suppose it's a blessing and a curse but i'll take the curse over the blessing because of the fact that it's harder to, to put a label on something like that. Yeah. And, and the industry wants to be able to know how to market you and sell you. Right. You know, if, if you have a great candy bar, there's only so many slots on the shelf. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you, Grandma's candy bar is probably going to taste a hell of a lot better than a Snickers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's harder to put a label on somebody uh, uh, that it comes from all these different elements if you listen to Shooter. If you listen to Waylon, if you listen to Johnny Chris... Uh, you know, um, Waylon, Johnny, Chris, all of them have their own voice, and it's the voice that carries it through. Right. And it's it's not so much about a genre that they play in, but it's about them creating their own genre, in a sense. And, you know, uh, that's what I, you know, it made it harder for me, actually, to, to be more you know, pinhole about my sound and my thing because of all these different influences that came into my life. But it gave me a depth that I wouldn't have had without them, I don't think. And, I mean, you do definitely have a very unique voice. Like, I mean, I can't think of another person that sounds exactly like you and for oh, genre as you. well. That's a huge compliment. Thank you very much. Well, of course. And you've also been a really smart businessman. Like, because you've been, you're touring and playing 200 shows a year. Like, I mean, that's not easy for somebody to put together. And you have, like, this established um, following and tour cycle and in mm. the United States, in the U.K. and Europe. Like, who needs a label when you can do that all yourself, you know, and then you're your own self-run business, you know? So I mean, I think you've got it made. Like I said, blessing and curse. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your upcoming album in my okay. blood. Yeah. Uh, so who produced it? Okay. It was Nico Bolas. Right, we talked a little bit. Yeah. About and he's been Neil Young's producer for the last 25 years. Okay. Well, and we didn't talk about that earlier. No. Uh -huh. And, um, so my first single actually, uh, Nico, uh, uh Steve Jordan's favorite engineer, is Nico Bolas. So 
it's funny because it came at me from two different directions. The first single is called Too Hot to Hold. So the drummer I work with uh, on this album, and I work with live as well, uh, Herman Matthews, who's played with everybody. Herman used to play for Tom Jones. Oh, wow. And so one day we're doing a gig somewhere, and Herman goes, man, I got these three songs. You need to hear these songs. So he sends me over these songs, and one of them is Too Hot to Hold, and he says, I used to play with Tom Jones, and Steve Jordan did a record with Tom 20 years ago, but the record company didn't want it because they wanted him to go a different direction, more alternative rock instead of R&B soul. So he's, Steve was producing the record, and Tom's, and I listen to these demos, and it's Tom Jones singing, and Steve Jordan on drums, and like Wadi Wattel on guitar, and Cornell Dupree, and like all these major, I'm like, oh my God, this music is incredible, <laughs> like... And nobody has cut any of these songs. Oh, my gosh. And so there's like 30-some of them, but I got three of them. And I picked out one of them that I fell in love with, which was this one. And so the serendipity was the fact that, that Nico Bolas works with Steve Jordan all the time. So we're in my living room, and I go, I got this song. I want to cut it. Herman turned me on to it. It was a Tom Jones tune that never got released. He goes, well, who wrote it? I go, well, I, I guess it's Steve Jordan. He goes, hold on a second. So he grabs the phone, he dials Steve Jordan. He gets him on the phone. <laughs> so he goes, Steve. He goes, hey, man, what's up? Hey, man, what's up? You know, he's like, so we're, we're I'm, in, I'm working with an artist named Sean Jones, he says, and we want to record this song called Too Hot to Hold. And we're trying to find out who wrote it. And he goes, I wrote that song. <laughs> and he goes, well, is it okay if we record it? And Steve goes, well, is any good? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Steve, I'm right here, man. I'm listening to you, man. Yeah. He goes, hey, brother, what's happening? You know? So that's, I just love this song. Yeah. And it's about the allure of um, this hot woman that this guy is freaking <laughs> out over. And he's, he's like, he won't give up. He's yeah. got to, but she's too hot to hold and too cold to love him. Yeah. So it's, oh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. Wow. It's funky. Um, well, we're going to play that song in its entirety today at the end cool. of the show. Yep. So cool. don't go anywhere, everybody. Uh, we're going to go out to break really quick. Um, if you're just tuning in, this is Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. Sean Jones is my very special guest today. We're talking mm. about his amazing career. And we're going to take you out to break with his song, Keep On Driving. And that's from his album, Pain Passed Down. And bring you back in from uh, the break from with Bottom of the Bottle. And that's also from Pain Passed Down. We'll finish up talking about his new release, In My Blood, that's coming out this fall. And don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Staring up at that San Francisco sign Makes me want to keep on driving Got a good mind to leave it all behind And quit this trying There's always somewhere I gotta be I can't recall the last time I felt free on driving Yeah Keep on driving Wanna know how it feels Take my hands off the wheel Let the road 
take me on down the line Wanna roll like a stone To places unknown Everything, everything's gonna be just fine Keep on driving Keep on driving everybody this is arwin lewis and you're listening to the arwin lewis radio show today my very special guest is an incredibly accomplished uh, musician uh, touring musician and recording artist named sean jones and we're here talking about his extensive career from starting out playing music in his living room with his dad to you know being managed by Waylon Jennings and recording his most recent album in his living room with some of the best musicians that there are out there to record with. <laughs> and uh, this album is called In My Blood. His first single that we're playing today is going to be called Too Hot to Hold, and that's going to play in its entirety at the end of the show. That's going to be officially coming out this fall. And why don't we talk about the rollout plan for the rest of the album, Sean? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of a new thing these days of how to how do you do it, you know? So uh, I'm, I hired a publicist that, that I'm working with, and she's fantastic, D&T Entertainment. And um, so... The suggest, suggestion from her and what we concluded was the best thing to do is, like every two months, release a song. We have a pre-save thing that we do for Spotify. And so for a month, we campaign it up until the actual release. Okay. And then we do that, and then uh, then we start on the next one. And, we, and it rolls for um, two months. And so every two months, we'll release a song, and we'll probably do four songs so september 8th is the first one and then in two months from then we'll have this the second one third one fourth one which takes us to the early part of next year cool that's when the entire album gets released but up until that time if you come to my shows you can buy either a cd or a vinyl nice so if you're digital only then you'll get it when yeah as you get it yeah if you come to the shows i'll sell you a cd and you can use it as a coaster or you can you know you can get out your vinyl record player and do that you know do you have any shows coming up that you'd like to promote uh well i'm going on tour nice. um I, I locally i have september 15th i'll be at is that right? September 15th at Namba. Okay. Namba is in Ventura and it's a fantastic. I'm looking just to make sure I'm right uh, because <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong yeah. thing. <laughs> yes, it's September 15th okay. at uh, 
7 o'clock at Namba, and I'm doing a show there. And then uh, I've got a various gigs at wineries and some stuff down in Orange County. And then I'm off to Europe, and I have a Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Holland, and... Um, yeah, I've got 21 dates over there to do. That'll take me through the beginning of November. Beautiful. So that'll be fun. Well, uh, uh, if any of you would love to catch one of these shows, which I know you will. It's on my website. Yep, I was just going to say. <laughs> SeanJonesMusic.com. S-H-A-W-N, JonesMusic.com. We have one minute left. And if there was one person in the world who you haven't written with or met yet, who would it be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> How dare seconds. you lay that <laughs> on kidding. me like that? Well, if there's one person <laughs> that I haven't met that I would love to meet, well, at this moment, it would. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm thinking of all these amazing people that I love. Oh, man. Well, you there's can someone. Five. Uh, well, there's someone that passed away that I would love to have met, and that would have been Jimi Hendrix, because okay. that was my probably my biggest electric guitar influence of yeah. all time. Um, that counts. Gosh, you know, you know, I just, Chris Stapleton, because they're outlaw guys doing what I set out to do in Nashville years ago, cool. back when you, you know, you had to be a little tidier back then and a little more squeaky clean and those guys are funky man yeah and they lay out the real stuff and and i'd love to catch up with shooter again man come on man let's hang out <laughs> well if there was one wish that i could make come true it would be that so everybody yeah. thank you very much for tuning in today this is arwin lewis on the arwin lewis radio show my very special guest was sean jones musician touring musician songwriter recording artist and we're playing his first single that's coming out this fall from his album in my blood it's called too hot to hold and enjoy and thanks for tuning in
The Arwen Lewis Show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host, Arwen Lewis. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com. And follow her on Instagram at Arwen Lewis. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.